you like content creators? Would you like to support your favorites? Would you like for that support to have unreasonable strings attached? Then become a Patreonizer today. For just a few dollars a month, you can give your favorite content creators the false hope that they just might be able to pay all of their bills this month. Not only that, they will owe you extra content, merchandise, and so much of their ever-shrinking spare time. All just for you. All depending on the tier of support that you choose. So what are you waiting for? Become a Patreonizer today. We've got the right tier for you. Greetings, puny humans. This is Morbo, the newscaster. I am pleased yet sticky to tell you that you are listening to the power of positive geeking. I will destroy you. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Power of Positive Geeking right here on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. My name is Corey Morissette. Thank you very much for joining me today, and uh, I've got a great guest and a great topic for you. But, of course, uh, right off the hop, as always, I'd like to remind you about all the great content that we're pumping out here on the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. Uh, of course, every Monday, uh, it's Jeff Saunders Day, pretty much. you got either uh, Mr. Saunders Sandbox, uh, of course, the uh, Hoot and Holler uh, with Hillbilly Scribs, and Be Home by Dinner. You can find those on Mondays. Uh, Tuesday days uh is the main show are we wearing pants uh hopefully coming back very very shortly on wednesdays we have rantings of a maniac with mark Kamire. uh fridays is the dive uh which is a live youtube show with mark Kamire. and saturdays is uh jeff saunders uh, youtube content either truly bizarre world or walking with big feet and of course uh power positive geeking you can find every thursday and uh, we got a great show for you here t- uh, today folks and, and a great guest uh his name is michael ball Michael Ball, uh, or Ballsy, as he's known in the uh, rock radio community here in Saskatchewan, has been a fixture on morning radio for the last 20 years uh, or more on 104.9 The Wolf. And uh, as long as well as being uh, a morning show host for The Wolf, uh, he's also a, a big sports guy. Uh, he is the sideline reporter for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the Canadian Football League. Uh, as well, he's done lots of commentating for the U of R Rams, uh, lots of hockey, uh, uh, things like that. Um, Ballsy's just a, a great guy and a real fixture, a real legend uh, in Regina Rock Radio and so I was very excited that he agreed to come on and do the show this week because we're talking one of uh, one of my favorite bands of all time Van Halen uh, you guys remember I did a show with Mark Kameyer on Rantings of a Maniac not that long ago uh, right when uh, Eddie Van Halen unfortunately passed away and it was a great conversation and uh, I really wanted to, to talk a little Van Halen music uh, on the show here uh, so I reached out to Balzi and uh, lo and behold he had actually met uh, the band uh, he was backstage at a Van Halen show in Saskatoon so he tells us a little bit about that and he tells us about uh, one of his favorite Van Halen records 5150 this of course is the first album with Sammy Hagar on lead vocals Dave Lee Roth had just uh, left the band uh, so there's a lot on the line uh, leading up to 5150 for Van Halen. Uh, how would audiences take to the new singer in the new direction? Uh, turns out uh, pretty darn well as uh, Van Halen was more successful, arguably, with Sammy Hagar than they were David Lee Roth. So with that said, sit back and relax and enjoy Michael Ball and myself taking you through 5150 on the power of positive geeking. Welcome back to the Power of Positive Geeking. My name is Corey Morset, and I am honored to be joined today by Regina Rock Radio legend Michael Ball. Hey, Ballsy, how's it going today, sir? 
<laughs> I'll send you a check in the mail in a little bit. <laughs> Legends, the first time I've ever been called that, but thank you for the intro. Oh, absolute legend. First of all, uh, a fixture on morning radio in Regina, 104.9 The Wolf, the best damn rock station in Saskatchewan, bar none. I uh, love it. But also a sideline reporter for our beloved Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You also host the pregame show and uh, the infamous Rider Roundtable, which mm. uh, I was a season ticket holder. I, I would always uh, be taken home listening to the Rider Roundtable. That's got to be a thankless job, Ballsy. You got all my respect in the world for handling some of those calls. Well, I miss, um, I actually, you know, you, you deal with a lot of people that like to drink after the games because <laughs> the riders made them drink and you get some weird calls. But, it, Corey, uh, I miss it. I miss it so much. I, I hope, I honestly have my fingers crossed that we can come back and enjoy our CFL football. Uh, I miss that. You know what else I used to take? I take for granted. It'd be like, okay, you got free tickets to a Godsmack show on a Tuesday night in Regina. And hey, I'm a rock fan, as you said. I've worked on a rock station. I love bands like Godsmack and stuff. But you're like, it's Tuesday night. It's cold. They don't really want to go. I've been to a million of them. Oh, man. <laughs> I would go watch the White Yoakum in a parking lot if I had to. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, I, I hear you. I, I agree. And I hate uh, country music, but uh, I'm wearing my ZZ Top shirt today because um, they, they they rescheduled a Saskatoon show in April. I'm like, I don't care. Saskatoon, four hours away, don't matter. I am there. ZZ Top, cheap trick. I am just hurting do you, for a do good you agree concert. With you? Do you agree with me? That is an underrated band. That is an incredibly underrated band. Absolutely. And it, their early stuff is fantastic. Their later stuff is fantastic. La Futura, their last uh, studio mm -hmm. album, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big ZZ Top fan, huge ZZ Top fan. Eliminator is one of my favorite records of all mm -hmm. time. Maybe we'll get you back on talking about Eliminator. Sure, man. I, I grew up with, uh, you know, the album we're going to talk about today, that album. Uh, there's a lot. I, I love that's one of the favorite things in my uh, job is just to get to play that type of music. Well, your station plays all the all the classics as well as some of the newer stuff today. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Um, but uh, a mutual friend of ours, Kelly Rempel, that was on the show a little while back. We were talking Back in Black. And before the show, we were kind of going through different uh, rock acts that we could talk about. And I'd mentioned Van Halen because it happened to be Eddie Van Halen's birthday that day. And mm -hmm. Kelly's like, oh, that's not really my thing. You know, you should talk to Michael Ball. I'm like, oh, there's no way Ballsy would come on my stupid rinky-dink little show right to talk Van Halen. Yet, here you are, sir, so thank you very much for that. Uh, I do a little podcast myself, too, if I get a shameless plug-in. Growing, growing the game with Ballsy, which promotes uh, Saskatchewan football. So I'm all for uh, helping people out and have people on mine. I'll have you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I'll have you on because I know you're big in the football community. But the 5150 album, man, I grew up with that album. That was my... Uh, I got into Van Halen. I would have been about, uh, let me just see here, t about 10, 11 years old. And it's because I loved the TV show One Day at a Time, Valerie Bertinelli. And I remember there was one, and I was starting to get into girls, right? You start hitting the puberty. You're starting to, oh, cool. Like, ooh, she was my first crush, her and Alyssa Milano on Who's the Boss, mm, okay? Very nice, and I'm yep. going off tangent here, but uh, it'll come back. So I'm watching, uh, I'm watching an episode of One Day at a Time, and in her room over her shoulder is a picture of Eddie Van Halen playing guitar. So then I kind of, I was like, wow, that's kind of neat. Then my friend, he, he came over with his older brother to babysit us one day because I wasn't old enough to stay at home. And he popped in the uh, 1984 album. 
And I'm like, who's it? Oh, Van Halen. I put two and two together and I started to like Van Halen. And I, I really didn't really appreciate 84 till later on. But then in 86, I guess it was 86, I think 5150 came out. Is that right? Uh, yeah, 86, yep. Yeah, and I would have been 14, and man, I grew up with that album. Loved it. Well, it, it, it's weird because uh, diehard Van Halen fans have almost like a reverse experience, right? Like 1984 is kind of their last classic Van Halen album. And then Sammy Hagar comes in, and there's keyboards, and there's love songs. And everybody's kind of turned off by it. But uh, I was brought in during the 1984. I was 10 years old because uh, that video for Jump was everywhere in 1984. You couldn't couldn't get by it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, David Lee Roth leaves in 85. He does that little EP uh, with just the gigolo and California girls on it and the goofy videos. And then all of a sudden, uh, here comes uh, Van Halen, 5150 in 1986, released March 24th, 1986. Van Halen's very first number one album, if you can believe it, when you think about all the classics that have come. And um, uh, let's talk a little bit about the kind of the change in direction for the band, because... Uh, yeah. Sam or uh, David Lee Roth was very much. Uh, I want to do covers. I want to do guitar rock, uh, goofy lyrics, all that kind of stuff. Now all of a sudden you get Sammy Hagar in here, just coming off a massive hit of his own with "I Can't Drive 55," and all of a sudden the songwriting kind of jumps up a notch. Musicianship jumps mm -hmm. up a notch. Now you got Eddie. He doesn't have Dave saying no keyboards. He can go in there on a keyboard on a synthesizer. They can do. Uh, you know, Sammy's the second guitar now in the band and a little better songwriter and definitely a better vocalist. Uh, let, let's talk about the the shift. From uh, Diamond Dave to uh, Sammy Hagar. You know what's funny, Corey, is most of the songs <clears throat> on 5150, the, the music part, Eddie already had done years before. He already had all that stuff in the can. You probably know this, but he already had all that stuff in the can, but Dave didn't like the synthesizer. So that stuff was already sitting in, in wait until, uh, you know, David left. It, it really was. I mean, there it's hard to like you know i'm 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 not going to sit here and tell you i've been in rock radio for 24 years i'm not going to sit here and tell you i can tell you the difference between chords or anything like that i'm not i told you that before we did this interview but that i guess it's kind of you like what you like when you're in your uh informative years you know you're just you're you're, you're kind of coming up oh gee and it's how, all how the songs make you feel and nothing could be better than that first hello baby the very first thing <laughs> That Sammy ever says there right at the start was that song good enough or whatever yep, good enough and and I mean that just it's like holy cow what is this this is cool yeah it, a great rock and record I don't think 5150 gets enough credit uh, for being just a great rock record uh, but before Sammy Hagar actually they they uh, considered a few other people like Patty Smythe uh, Eric yeah. Martin and Jimmy Barnes uh, which I thought was kind of a, a weird choice but uh, Sammy Hagar came recommended by uh, Eddie Van Halen's mechanic who was working yep. on Eddie's Lamborghini at the time. And he said, I oh, should check out Sammy Hagar and uh, turned out to be a, a pretty fruitful uh, relationship for, for at least uh, four albums. Uh, 5150, of course, being the first. Um, any more impressions of kind of Van Halen at uh, this point in their history before we actually move into the album and go track by track? You know what? I, uh, they were just, when I think of Van Halen, I think of California, I think of sunny be sunny skies, beaches, uh, you know, it's like Dave said, I wish they all could be California girls. Like I just, they're in their California backyard rock band. They, they'd go play backyards. That's where they got their start, man. They, they were, they were going to, they were going to be called rat salad. Then they were going to be called, then they were going to be called mammoth. And that's mm -hmm. what uh, Wolfgang is now, Mammoth uh, WVH, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, then they settled on uh, uh, Van Halen. Actually, Alex, do you know what Alex and Eddie's first band name was when they were in school? 
Oh, I don't remember offhand. The Broken Combs. That was the name of their band, The Broken Combs. Yeah, I just, uh, when I think party, when I think California, it's not the Beach Boys I think of, Corey, it's Van Halen. That's what I think of. No, I agree with you. And there, there's some great uh, beach type songs on this album. Let's start uh, going track by track here. All tracks written by Sammy Hagar, Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Hagelen, and Michael Anthony uh, getting credit on all these songs. Uh, the title track, Good Enough, you already mentioned it. Uh, how awesome is it to hear uh, Sammy's Hello Baby and then right into that nice, heavy, classic Eddie riff. Um, yeah. Is Good Enough good enough for you, Ballsy? Uh, yeah, I do. I like that song. I mean, it's uh, it, it's the perfect song to start an album with a new uh, with a new guy. And that, like I said, that first line, it's like it, it had me hooked. I'm like, okay, now let's see. Okay, it's kind of like, all right, I'm gonna watch five minutes of this show. It looks like it could be good. Let's keep going. So it really got really got me in. Yeah, me too. I, great up-tempo number uh, to, to kind of kick off the album. And that Hello Baby, I think, was a, a Sammy staple leading off a lot of concerts uh, for Van Halen, uh, mm-hmm. e- even up into uh, For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge and The Balance Tour. I think he was still doing it. So, Well, their Excellent. first, uh, their first uh, concert, first ever show was New Haven, Connecticut back in 1986. And they, they, they the start of the videoed uh, uh, concert, they, had, they scratched out New Haven and put New Halen in there. So, yeah. So, and, and then that's how he started started the concert yeah for sure that's a great way to start it yeah speaking of uh, new halen and actually uh we're talking about their names earlier uh there's a rumor that uh somebody at warner brothers wanted to change the name of van halen to van hagar once uh, sammy yeah. came into the fold um yeah. i don't know what do you think uh, van hagar would it's would it would have flown with a uh, diehard van halen fans I mean, let's be honest. I lo- hey, I'm a Sammy guy. I love Sammy Hagar. I've been to his bar twice, taking listeners down to his bar, Cabo Wabo twice. If you're a Van Halen fan, Corey, if you've never been, have you been? I have not. It's on the bucket you, list. You've got to go, man. They got great paraphernalia there. When I was there, Jason Giambi was there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, they have stars coming there. You you go to get a drink, and at the at, you're like, what kind of lampshade is that? Well, it's not a lampshade. It's panties. And they got panties on the rafters. <laughs> you start the night on Thursday night. It's like, oh, this is kind of boring. And then all of a sudden, at 10 o'clock hits, place is packed, although it might be different now. But place is packed. People are throwing their bras or panties. It's a party. It's a party. It's exactly what you think from a Van Halen bar. But uh, back to what you said, um, you know, Van Halen's Van Halen. You can't have Van Halen without Van Halen. So that's the name. Like, you no, know, and even Sammy would say that. Yeah, it, Sammy was a big part in the Van Halen sound uh, in the uh, late 80s and all that. But it's still Alex and Eddie's band. And it always oh. kind of has been, right? So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to be Van Halen. All right. Track two on the album uh, is the first single off of 5150 and it's why can't this be love uh, like you said a lot of this material written uh, beforehand but diamond dave wasn't a fan uh, especially of a song like this you know it's got the sense it's a love song and all that but uh it actually uh, was a top 10 hit uh in, in the u.s and to help propel 5150 to hit uh, number one uh, on the billboard charts uh, why can't this be love to me is that kind of quintessential van halen love song what do you think about it yeah it's their first real love ballad and and really i can't remember like like you know more than me it wasn't a like it was a cat i only got into it in 1984 like i said of course i knew uh ain't talking about love and running with the devil and some of those songs but i don't really i think the closest thing van halen had to a ballad was i'll wait in 1984 if i can remember you know with yeah. with, with david so this one really kind of took it to the next level and uh yeah i uh, great talking my favorite part of this song is when uh when Sammy 
uh, no, I don't want to, I can't do him justice, but you know the part where he goes, and then he mimicked it with his guitar. Like that's, that's a cool part of the song. It's a very cool part. Yeah. I love that little scat, uh, scat intro there uh, to the end. And again, a more, more classic Eddie guitar. Like uh, everyone's like, oh, it's all synthesizers. Eddie kind of forgot about the guitar on this album. He really didn't. And why can't this be love? I I thought was just a classic Eddie guitar solo. And you know, the one thing too, you mentioned earlier about uh, Sammy being able to play guitar is in concert, he could play some guitar. So Eddie could concentrate on just playing the keyboards instead. I mean, he did both, but he didn't have to. There's, you see some concert footage where like in this song, for instance, Sammy's playing guitar and he's doing the, you know, he's doing the, the, the keyboards, which is good if he can do it. I mean, Dave, Dave was a great showman, assless chaps and all that stuff. <laughs> but, and I, and, and it's kind of like, you're a football guy. So you get this. I don't, I've never been a, I'm a Hagar or a Roth guy. You can like both just like you can like the CFL and the NFL. I don't think you exactly. have to choose. Exactly. I, I agree with you 100%. You don't have to choose. They're totally different. Uh, Dave, like you said, fantastic showman with the high kicks and the banter and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Sammy vocally just knocks Dave out of the water. and It's always going to be that way. Sammy's a great, great singer. Mm-hmm, and, for sure. And he showcases that on the next song, Get Up, kind of a little uh, uh, more yeah. of a deeper cut on 5150. But I was listening again to it this morning, getting ready for the show. I'm like, man, you know, this is a really cool jam. I really like to get up. Yeah, it is a good song. This one... Uh, is more it's 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 simpler in terms of their lyrics. Like this would be, mm-hmm. I would say this is more of a David Lee Ross song. Do you know what I mean? Lyrically, yeah. get up. There's not a lot of the, make it work, make it work. You see, love's got you down. Well, that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of yeah. it's, it's it's one of those. It it's it's a pretty simple song. Yeah, and, and that's something with, with, with Sammy lyrics. Um, you get a song like Get Up every once in a while or like Up for Breakfast, which is on one of their greatest hits, <laughs> which is just the most yeah, yeah. ridiculous lyrical song I've ever heard in my life. Uh, th- this is kind of in the same vein, but it just had a really nice groove to it. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's not too deep or anything, but it's still a, a fun rocker, I think, for track well, three the of the music. album. It's the music that makes that song. It's not the lyrics. It's the music, yeah. right? So that's, yeah. that's, and that's exactly it. Absolutely. Uh, number four is a song that um, uh, Van Halen played uh, in pretty much every concert during the Sammy era, even a little bit in the Gary Sharon era, uh, and that's Dreams, which uh, a, a lot of later Van Halen fans will point to as being one of their favorite songs. Uh, I really like Dreams a lot. It, it hit uh, number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100, so a pretty decent-sized hit for Van Halen. Uh, again, uh, you know, slower tempo, but it has that fantastic chorus where where Sammy really gets to show off his range, right? We're getting high, yeah. and, and, the, and the whole thing ascends. Um, what are your thoughts on Dreams? Yeah, and, you, and I like how lyrically it's a great song, and and also the way his voice, uh, the range. Uh, your your dreams have a range of dreams, right? You go, mm-hmm. you have a range of. I just dreamt last night I golf with Tiger Woods. Like, like I mean, <laughs> there's there's there's, uh, there's some really you know, and, and so just I love I love the vocal range on the song. I love how it is kind of lighter, but then you you've still got the anchor, which is the Eddie guitar, right? At some point in the song, and uh, yeah, I really I, lyrically I think that was a sound really sound song. You know what? Last night I dreamt I was a position coach with the New York Giants, which the way they're going uh, could maybe happen. Uh, I, I think I got a shot, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what is? Yeah, what? Is, you know, get this. My dream was. I know we're going off topic here, but speaking of dreams, I had a dream that I was golfing with me, Tiger Woods, Mitchell Blair. I don't know why, and and and, and Don Johnson. Well, that is an eclectic foursome. I gotta say. 
Like not even like I'd rather go with Dakota Johnson at this point. Don, even though I'm a big Don Johnson fan. And and mm-hmm. believe it or not, now this is where the dream is far fetched. Mitchell Blair won the round. Oh yeah, and you're t- definitely dreaming at that point. Yeah. <laughs> and Tiger Woods asked to be asked him to be his caddy. So yeah, that's <laughs> Honestly, I don't smoke marijuana either or anything, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> How the hell did Mitchell Blair get in there, man? I have oh, no man. idea. But that, <laughs> thankfully, that's the only way he got into my dream. Let's just leave it at that. The, the fact you're dreaming about Mitchell Blair at all kind of means you need therapy, I think, at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> all right. Uh, rounding out the uh, side A of 5150, we have Summer Nights, which, uh, again, a fun summertime uh, beach-type song. Um, I really like Summer Nights. I think it was actually released as a single. It may have been one of the later singles. Uh, yeah, it hit uh, 33 on the mainstream rock uh, uh, charts. Uh, so n- not a huge hit or anything, but j- just another fun beach-type Van Halen song. Corey, why would I like this song? Because Summer Nights and my radio. He didn't say <laughs> Summer Nights and my cell phone. Or he didn't say, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Summer nights and Spotify. It's the radio. <laughs> the radio guy. That's why I like it. It's a great song. You know, I, I actually like heard it on the. I like it. Sorry for cutting off. I like it because you asked me what what, what I think of when I think of uh, uh, Van Halen party, mm-hmm. opening up a case of beer, sitting by a fire, hanging out, or whatever. You know what I mean? That's what I think of. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great party song, and I used to party to that back in my younger days, way, way, way back when. And it wasn't that long ago, I actually was listening to The Wolf uh, here in Weyburn, and Summer Nights came on. I'm like, damn, I forgot about that song. What a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. Awesome Underrated song. Van Halen song. Mm-hmm, um, yeah, kick, for sure. Kicking off side two of 5150 is my favorite Van Halen song of all time, Best of Both Worlds. I love this song. <laughs> to me, it's it's the perfect Van Halen song, lyrically, vocally, uh, musically. Eddie is fantastic on this. Alex is fantastic on this. The whole band's cooking. Um, I love Best of Both Worlds. I agree. That would be right up there. The only one I think would challenge that, in my opinion, is probably um, either Pound Cake from the For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge or Right Now. I love Right Right Now. I think ly- lyrically might be one of the better songs that they've written too, but that is a great, that is a good, that's, that's a, that's a classic rock tune because you could hear 10 years ago and call it classic rock. You can hear it today and call it classic rock and we could hear it 10 years from now and call it classic rock. It's not, it's not moldy. Like some of, some of Sammy's songs, as much as I like Sammy better, some of the songs with Sammy, can sound moldy they can sound like you know why can't this be love it sounds kind of you know like like i guess um you know panama or drop dead legs or uh running with the devil or uh, those songs they're not moldy they you could play them 30 years from now i find a couple yeah. of the sammy era songs are moldy but not this one this one's right there yeah uh, why can't this be love uh, i think puts you right in 1986 and it's hard to get that it definitely has that sound but best of both worlds it could have been on any van halen album i think and, yeah no 100 right i agree yeah and i love that you mentioned uh pound cake i love pound cake and right now uh two classics from for unlawful carnal knowledge which is my all-time favorite van halen album well maybe i have to talk about that one too oh we will i love it i love that one too man that was i didn't i didn't fit i, I like actually i didn't i didn't mind any I didn't mind any of uh, the the Van Halen. Like, if I was to rank the ones with Sammy Hagar, I would put the 92 one for Unlawful Current Knowledge. I'd put mm-hmm. this one too. Three would be uh, OU812, and then four would be Dreams, probably. Or, I mean, uh, Balance, sorry. Balance, yeah. Uh, balance. And then I actually, lyrically, or uh, musically, I liked uh, with Sharon. I did. Mm-hmm. I know the old crazy Kylie's in Regina, when you go into Testosterio, 
like a stereo there, they would play that album because uh, musically it had the best range, they said. Oh, really? Interesting stat, yeah. Like, you know, Dirty, the... Water, Dirty Water Dog and uh, mm-hmm. you had uh, Fire in the Hole and those kind of songs. Fire in the Hole is a great song. That That's one I got to revisit is uh, Van Halen yeah. 3 because I'm a big Gary Sharoni fan. I love Extreme. So. Yeah, yeah, it's good. All right, uh, number seven. Uh, this one's kind of an odd one. Love Walks In. I always thought it was a love song. Turns out it was written about uh, Sammy Hagar's alien uh, encounter or abduction. If you read his book, he, he tells the whole story mm-hmm. about being abducted by an alien. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, Eddie played uh, the, the kind of the, the lick. Uh, Sammy threw some quick lyrics on it, sang it with a handheld mic, he said. So the production value isn't the best, but they, they got the performance they wanted. And the Love Walks In uh, reached, again, number 22 in the Hot 100 for Billboard. So not too shabby. Uh, not one of my you know, favorites was, on the album, but still pretty decent. That one, um, that one and Not Enough would be 1A and 1B. Not Enough's from the from the balance album uh, where it's piano based that would be those would be my two van halen ballads that i like the best to be honest with you i even like it better than why can't this be love i find why can't this be love i like it but it's a little on the cheesy side this mm-hmm. one is more of a true ballad like if you were to pick the if you were to pick the ballad from this album this would be the ballad in my opinion like the one that i like the best Interesting. I, I think just because it's a little disjointed with the whole alien angle, uh, kind of maybe notches it uh, down a little bit lower yeah, for me, yeah. but uh, it's still a great song. But if you didn't know it was about aliens, if you didn't, <laughs> the back, if you didn't check the backstory, you can't tell me that you didn't think that would be a great pallid uh, love song. No, you're right. I heard the line, some kind of alien, and I thought, oh, he feels like an alien in his relationship or, you know, whatever. Right, right. <laughs> not not right. a literal alien probing him. Yeah. Someone tells me he was probably high, too, or something. Sammy? No. <laughs> he may have been drinking at that point. We don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Coming up track number eight, this is a song you singled out as being one you particularly enjoy, and that's 5150. Yeah. Um, lyrically, it's, it gets maybe like a 7 out of 10. But musically, with between Alex and Eddie, the brothers, uh, you got, you, you're not going to find a better song musically. From, and that, once again, I'm not a trained ear, but musically, you're not going to find a better song where those two guys are in sync. This is a great song. It really is. And how about a little love for Michael Anthony, too? Uh, underrated yeah, bass player. Yeah, yeah, I love that guy. He got him and Eddie didn't exactly have the best relationship at the end, but he is got underrated vocals and just ties that band together. Like those, that's a good point, Corey. Those three on that song really are tight. Yeah, tight. they are tight. They, they are cooking. And yeah, l- lyrically, uh, I, I'm with you on that one, but musically, yeah, th- this is one of the high points uh, of but the yeah, album. But, but, but in fairness to Sammy, lyrically, like sometimes, sometimes you don't, sometimes the lyrics can just be the, it's just the spice. The steak is the other stuff, right? Yeah. In my opinion, you don't really need a lot of lyrics in the song. The the singer doesn't have to carry the song. When you got a when you got a freaking all star band behind you, just let it go. Like get out of the way and let them do the work. Especially if you're in a band with Eddie Van Halen for crying out loud, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> just stay out of his way. Yeah. You know, funny story quickly uh, before we get to the next song. So I, two thousand and for their last show together of that greatest hits deal i went to i went to saskatoon took some listeners and i got to go backstage so i got to meet them and i i told you earlier in this interview about uh the poster on valerie bertinelli's wall and one day at a time and i, I always wanted to meet van halen always want to meet van halen so i meet him and he is so drunk like he can't barely stand up i'm holding him up he's in that samurai hair and and i asked him if i could take a a picture can i take a picture with you and he said 
Yeah, but can you can can you hurry up? I gotta take a shit. Is what he said. Exact his exact words. <laughs> his exact words. And like for me, he's like, oh, I'm so disappointed. And him and Sammy were fighting then, so he wouldn't come. I want to meet Sammy Hagar. He didn't come out of the dressing room. I met Eddie. He he went and did his thing after we shook hands. I met Michael Anthony, nicest dude. And I sat in Alex's dressing room with him and his then wife, and we drank beer. And I said, man, I, I just interviewed him two weeks before on the radio, and I said, man, I've been waiting my whole life to see you guys. And he said, Ballsy, I'm, I just want to apologize to you in advance because we're not going to be as good as we were. I'm not going to – like, if you've been waiting this long, he said, but so, we just kind of follow Eddie wherever he goes – and uh and and we just kind of fall because he's all over the map right so and i said how is he i, I had to hold him up alex how is he gonna stand he said ballsy when he gets out there he'll get it done he goes what song do you want to hear i said well my son who is now 19 but he was two and a half then he said i want to hear he loved van he loved jump right he all he walked around two and a half year old calling himself ethan van halen that's what he he's a little toy <laughs> guitar so he wanted to hear jump so he goes oh, alex, or alex goes well that's my kid's favorite song too okay we'll play that so i gave them all wolf tukes and sammy came out as wolf tuke and that's how they started the show so that's pretty cool i didn't really get to meet him i feel like i kind of influenced the concert that day <laughs> so they led off with jump yeah oh yep. wow that was not a good tour uh, from what i hear i unfortunately never got an opportunity to see van halen but i've heard about it and that 04 tour yeah like eddie was so out of it and yeah like you said sammy was not getting along really with anybody uh you know separate dressing rooms separate buses the the whole nine yards so well saskatoon um, was where they saskatoon is where where they where uh sammy decided he was going to rent his own plane from then on because him and michael after the show went to fuddruckers oh, yeah. Street there and mm -hmm. he picked up a burger and eddie was in the plane waiting for them and when they got there he was freaking out and he took a big uh 40 of vodka and tried to smash out the plane window and then right there sammy's like i gotta i'm out like i gotta figure out something else and so they after that they were just the end of the tour they were flying in their own plane sammy just rented his own plane or whatever that's too bad and then of course eddie passing away uh there was the rumor that they were going to get everybody back together for kind of one last hurrah you know eddie was cleaning himself up even though the cancer of course returned but you know dave is going to be involved uh, even gary sharoni apparently according to wolfie uh was going to be involved Mike, michael anthony was coming back mm -hmm. uh, they were going to do stadiums like what a tremendous show that would have been yeah, the kitchen sink tour they were going to call it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they were going to have uh, Wolfgang open up for them, and th and then uh, have him come on stage for a few songs. That would have been great, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. I mean, you treat your body like an amusement park. Eventually, it gives out, and that's what happened. I mean, but I still love it. Yeah, you know, it's rock god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. We got one more song actually at fifty one fifty to sure. talk about. Um, Kelly Rempel, when we were talking about Back in Black, would get to the song he didn't he liked the least and he'd say if i was doing a mixtape this is the song i would leave off this is the song i would leave off my mixtape if i was adding uh 5150 tracks and that was uh, inside um you know i would give it like a b minus it's still not a song i hated by any stretch of the imagination but uh, as the album closer i thought was a little weak yeah i agree i mean that was that's one where it's almost like how many songs are on that album nine eight nine 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 it's like you guys got to have nine songs you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you gotta yeah. have nine songs, and they're like, oh, "Okay, we ran out of time. Let's just do this." Like I bet you in Eddie's, I bet you somewhere in Eddie's uh, studio where he's got millions and millions of uh, audio pieces, which Wolfgang has said, there's got to be something lying there that's way better than than that. Yeah. I'm not a huge. I'm not. A, that's one I'm not a huge fan of. That's nope. really the only tarnish. That's really the only bad one of the. That's kind of yeah. It's like, but I mean, when a batter goes to bat, he doesn't hit a home run every time. You know exactly. what I mean? 
Yep. So. And eight, eight out of nine uh, for an album, uh, pretty damn good, I would think. Well, Fifty-one fifty. Let's remember something here, Corey. This is they're replacing they're replacing uh, David Lee Roth. Like it's funny you bring up uh, uh, ACDC with Back in Black because think about that. Those are the two bands you're replacing iconic singers, and it's even bigger for Van Halen because at least when uh, Brian Johnson came in, and kudos to Brian Johnson for Back in Black because they did that album like that, which is amazing. But <clears throat> he didn't sound anything like Bon Scott, and he changed his voice to sound as close to Bon Scott as he could. He, they, they kept that grungy sound. And you, you're a music guy, so you probably heard, like he was singing for Hoover back, vacuum cleaners, and he sounded nothing like he does on that album. Now, Van Halen's even better because you had, you had Bob, Mosey, Mosey, Bob, Zibbity Bob. You had David Lee Roth, right? And then you go to this guy who is, uh, who's, you know, very high range, very almost poppy compared to what Van Halen fans would become used to. And you're like, this is either going to be unbelievable or it's going to blow chunks. And so if you can go eight out of nine on an album, your debut album replacing an iconic singer, uh, I mean, that's a great debut album for Van Halen. And, and a great tour, uh, 5150 oh. kind of led to, uh, they didn't do a lot of Dave songs uh, because uh, Sammy hated them, especially Jump, hated Jump, but they had to do it because it was a big hit. So he would have the crowd sing Jump most nights. But that and uh, Panama and Ain't Talk About Love were really the only ones uh, religiously they did every night on the 5150 tour. The rest they pretty much did uh, from the album. But Sam and Dave tried a tour back in the day together, and yep. Dave, uh, it, it fell down because Dave was too egotistical. He One night, it was supposed to be Sammy opening up <clears throat> Dave the next night, but Dave didn't want to, and he'd make up excuses and wouldn't answer the door in the dressing room, and so it just got to be a big mess. But <clears throat> the difference is Sammy could sing Dave's songs. Dave couldn't sing Sammy's songs. Like, Dave, you take, you take Panama – you take jump, you take, you take ain't talking about love. And Sammy makes those his own, right? Like he kind of has a little twist on it. I actually like when Sammy covers some Dave stuff, Dave could never, he never tried and nor could he ever do any Sammy. You can you imagine Dave Lee Roth trying to sing, why can't this be love? Or, uh, <laughs> when love comes walking in or any of that stuff. Uh, it'd be awful. Absolutely awful. <laughs> well, he's, a talk I, singer. he's a talk singer. That's what he is. Like he was good. He was one of those guys. He was good when he was good. I think Sammy Hagar's Tom Brady. Like, he's still good. He yeah. can still sing. Like, he's still, hey, he can't jump around the stage. He's got a punch. But the dude's 73 years old. He's my dad on stage. But he still has a great voice. You know, and how many guys are out there still trying, like a David Lee Roth or like a Vince Neil from Motley Crue, mm -hmm. you know, fatter, older, and just sound like absolute garbage. Like you said, Sammy's yeah. still out there. He can still hit those notes. He can mm -hmm. still do yeah. dreams. Yeah, he could. He could do dreams. He can do it. He, there isn't a song that he can't do, uh, which which is great. And then he has so many other ones with Chicken Foot and The Circle and, you know, with the Wabaritos, all that stuff. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Ballsy, any final thoughts on Van Halen and 5150? No, I just, it's nice to go down memory lane and remember my, as a 48 year old guy, it's nice to remember your youth uh, on a cold Saturday as we uh, tape this thing. It's nice to, nice to uh, be invited on this, uh, on your uh, show here. And uh, I can't wait for you to come on mine. And Hey, if you ever want to talk about, uh, you know, ZZ top, or if you ever want to talk about uh, uh, the 1992 album, which was uh, for unlawful carnal knowledge. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, if you remember one of the best MTB uh, awards shows was when they did that pound cake performance with Arsenio mm -hmm. Hall hosting. Uh, yeah. Oh, you got, you got them. You got nostalgia now. 
Oh, I love that performance at Pound Cake. Let's talk about your podcast a little bit before we go here, Ballsy. Uh, Growing the game with Ballsy. Um, Like I said, I'm a football guy, and I I really believe we need more positive voices uh, when it comes to Canadian football and talking Canadian football. And your podcast is fantastic for that. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, since Growing the Game with Ballsy, we interview interview rider guys, but we also mainly focus on coaches, players, builders, guys like you that have been around, guys that have coached, guys that love the game of football at the grassroots level that's really where it starts that's why america's got so good at, uh so good at um their football in terms of promotion and stuff because they start right at the young level and we Corey, mostly ignore our youth and we we don't want to promote our own to the point where now we're like oh seven canadians is good enough on a roster for starters in the cfl no i think we should promote more canadians and and coming out of this pandemic uh, and sorry for going on a rant here, but coming out of this pandemic, wouldn't Canadians want to play for Canadian money? It's going to be harder and harder to get Americans to come up here to play, I think, for the exchange rate. And 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 one other thing I really have been pushing, uh, and my, my latest episode of Growing the Game with Ballsy, I talked to Michael O'Connor, who is uh, the former UBC quarterback, Canadian, who spent a little bit of time at Penn State and was with the Argos last year. Now he's signed with Calgary. Um Here's the guy that, uh, you know, maybe this is the guy that can open the door. We haven't had a guy be a starting quarterback as a star in this league since Russ Jackson of the 60s. Isn't that embarrassing? It is. That's embarrassing, it, man. A country of 35 million, you can't find one Canadian to be a starting quarterback? Come on. And you can't develop Canadian quarterbacks. Like, let's give everybody a free ratio spot on every roster for a Canadian quarterback. Like, like let's actually kind of grow the position, right? Well, you know what? You know what's hilarious about this? So... Let's use the, the Michael O'Connor since he's there. So Michael O'Connor is on the Argos roster as their third quarterback, okay? Which, by the way, we've eliminated. We don't have to dress three quarterbacks now so we can dress two global players. Yeah. Do you remember any real impact global players? So we're going to add another mannequin on the sidelines. Uh, like, if they're going to pay us $5 million, like Mexico or whatever, for a TV deal, great. Add three guys, but you're not paying us the money. So now we're going to eliminate a quarterback spot on a roster, number one. Number two, Michael O'Connor. Most people don't know this. If he's on the team, on the roster, he's not considered a Canadian. Do you realize that? The quarterback spot isn't considered a Canadian. So Corey could be a fullback that's Canadian from Weyburn, Saskatchewan on the roster. He's considered Canadian. But if Corey was a quarterback from Weyburn on the roster, he's not considered Canadian. Let's give these teams incentive to have a Canadian on the roster. Number one, he counts as a Canadian. Number two, if you actually have a guy that legitimately is on your roster, then maybe you give that team an extra draft pick or give them an extra fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 on their salary cap. Like there's got to be, we got to incentivize these teams to look at Canadian. Uh, you got me started, Matt. <laughs> no, seriously. But think about this for one second, okay? Yep. One more second. Brett Jones, who has been in the NFL for a number of years, from Wayburn. Yep. He's a guy that played for the Regina Rams. Great player. But if we didn't have a Canadian Football League ratio, Calgary Stampeder coaches wouldn't have been forced to look to fill a spot with him, right? Mm-hmm. Then he doesn't get onto the roster. Then he doesn't become an outstanding Canadian offensive lineman in the league, Grey Cup champ. Then he doesn't get a chance in the NFL, and then he's not in the NFL. You know where I'm going with this? Absolutely, yeah. Give them, give them, like, you got, and 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 I'll just wrap it up like this. I'll tie it into music, because I'm in the music world. 
if we weren't forced to play, and I use the word forced, I used to think it was forced, but I don't anymore because I tie this into the ratio. If there wasn't an edict for us to play 35% Canadian content, would we have the Tragically Hip? Sorry, I can't get my thumb in there. Would we have Nickelback? Would we have... Would we have Rush? Would we have Shania Twain? Would we have Celine Dion? No, we wouldn't because we can't compete with the entertainment industry in the United States. But because we're forced to play them, because we have to play them, they get recognized and then they get to have a career. Same thing with Canadian football players. Protect and promote our own. Protect and promote our own musically, artistically, sports wise and that's how you grow the game because all my neighbors they'll go to a rider game to watch evan johnson come back and play in his home province <laughs> in saskatchewan or watch brett and labat uh, from yeah. weyburn here go play they don't care about some div two cast off uh from the states uh who's maybe got you know a higher running percentage than a canadian running back I, they don't care they want to see their local guys play it but Corey, would they go when jason claremont John Ryan, Akeem Hicks, Stefan. Let's let's talk about this for a second. Stefan Charles, Akeem Hicks, Brett Jones, Tavon Campbell. All of those guys played on the Rams, and all of them played played or play in the NFL, not mm -hmm. the CFL. Brandon Labatt, Evan Johnson, uh, those kind of guys. Brett Jones, they played, you know, CFL, NFL. But they didn't go, people didn't go watch them at the, I go to Ram games, nobody's there. Husky games, yeah, they get fans, but not as much as they should. Nobody will go spend 20 bucks to watch those games. They'll, they'll, they'll spend 80 bucks or whatever, or however many thousand to go travel, watch an NFL game. I get it. It's the NFL, but you can watch the stars of tomorrow today, right now for affordable, get out and support. Yeah, I agree totally. Regina Rams, uh, the, the Thunder, even the Riot. Fantastic football. Yes. Go support your local yes. football. Yeah, and with that, sure. my friend, we are out of time. Ballsy, I got to get you back on. We'll talk about Four Unlawful. We'll talk about ZZ Top. We'll talk about Eliminator. Uh, all that great stuff. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, sir. Okay, yeah. And uh, next story I have when we come back on the other side, whenever it is, my mom not being a Van Halen fan. And I'll tell you two times when she tried to stop me and my brother from being Van Halen fans. <laughs> awesome. I can't wait for that. All right, folks, on behalf of my special guest, Michael Ball, my name is Corey Morrison. Thank you very much for joining us this week. And we'll see you next time on The Power of Positive Geeky. My name is Thor Odinson, the Asgardian Hammer, and I want to be your attorney. Has the year 2020 got you down? Are you tired of saying hashtag Grr Mondays every Monday? Well, then my legal advice? Tune in to the Feeding the Monster podcast feed every single Monday and catch the Hootin' Holler podcast, and I promise it will get you the smiles and the laughter that you deserve.